Hey parents, today I have a parent interview that you will want to hear. Cheyenne is raising her children in a dual language home. Come listen to some of the strategies she has used to build two languages and create connection, both with her immediate family and her extended family, some of which live over the ocean. And I want to read a review before we begin. This one is from Mom of Seven. She writes and gives five stars, looking forward to more ideas. Dina Lynn has great experience looking forward to hearing more about how you get kids to listen. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children or wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated because you wish your kids could communicate their wants and needs more clearly instead of whining or yelling? Are you plagued by the feeling that you cannot meet all the needs in your family? Hey parents, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. It is possible to build strong family relationships and have boundaries that benefit kids. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I'm a mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you'll find solutions to get kids to listen better and build family connection, to feel confident in managing difficult behaviors, and help your kids build more language of their own. So if you are ready to communicate in ways that build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. Now I want to introduce Cheyenne Clayman. She is an American mama of three, raising her kids in her husband's home country of Belgium. She is a mom life mentor and helps mamas create more energy for themselves and their husbands without sacrificing their kids. She's the host of Mom Nation podcast, where she helps moms balance, uh, find balance and raise Jesus-loving littles. Cheyenne, thank you so much for joining me today on The Language of Clay. I am excited to have you here, and I'm so proud of what you've done, and I know you make such an impact on people. So thank you for sharing your wisdom, your experience, and your knowledge with us, particularly in the area of language. How is it that you have language build your home? Oh my, that is super leap of you That is so, so lief. Uh, what I just said is that is so, so beautiful of you, Dina Lynn, in Dutch, my husband's native language, as you already shared, I am here in his home country of Belgium. And what a beautiful introduction. I'm sitting here listening, thinking, oh my gosh, is she talking about me? Um, and, you know, and that's just the way that you are, Dina Lynn. I love how you help us parents feel seen and heard as we're also aiming to help our children, right? Feel seen and heard. And so, you know, in my household, language is an ever constant presence, you know, and it's something that wasn't when I was growing up. I grew up in a very traditional white European background family in upstate New York. Everyone I knew spoke one language. Everyone spoke English. And my own personal journey is I then moved to Florida when I was 15 years old. And all of a sudden I heard Spanish everywhere and it was on billboards. It was on the school bus. And I was like, what just happened? All did I know that God was preparing me, I believe, for 20-something years in the future for when I would then have multiple languages in my own home. So language is something that is, I'm such a passion. I'm so passionate about. I literally studied communication in college. So I love anyone who knows me would say to you, oh, Cheyenne knows language. She has the gift of gab. So I love to speak, <laughs> but I've also learned to listen more as I have had 
dual languages in my house, uh, which includes, as Dina Lynn said, that I have three children because one of them I do consider my child, although I did not birth her. She is my bonus daughter. And when we first met each other, she only spoke Dutch. I only spoke English. So language used to be a really huge problem in our household for connection. But now I can look backwards and four years later after becoming her stepmom and becoming a mom of almost two myself, I'm currently pregnant as we're filming this episode. I look at language more as an area for connection versus disconnection. Oh, that is so beautiful. And it can be, and it can be both language and the Mm -hmm. words we speak are so powerful that it is connection and it is disconnection. So to learn how to use our language so that we create connection and we don't rip families apart is very powerful. And it sounds like you have mastered that. And I'm so glad for you because step families are complicated. To do the step thing is very complicated. And then you add the extra layer of speaking different languages. I'm sure that required patience. How did you do that? How did you have the patience or what is it that you learned first, you know, like in Dutch to be able to communicate with your stepdaughter? How did you create that bond with her when you had different languages? Maybe you didn't use the language at first. What did you do? You took the words right out of my mouth, Dina Lynn, because I would actually say that something I remember studying in college was all about nonverbal communication, right? And I remember when I first moved into my husband's home that he'd been sharing with his daughter for eight years, but just the two of them, that's how long he had been apart from her mother. And I remember moving in and realizing, oh my gosh, I have survived off my communication skills for so long and here I cannot use them the same way. So what I did in the very, very beginning was actually, I became more of an active listener. And I, what I mean by that is I did absolutely seek to learn small phrasal languages or small words in Dutch, but I didn't want to just learn any words. You know, I think it could have been very easy for me to learn words or, or kind of like we do when we go on vacation, maybe in a foreign country, right? It's like, where's the bathroom and how do I say this food and that? But for me, it was more important to get to know words that would mean something to her. And I think that's been even important with as I've been learning how to best communicate with my toddler as well, who's being raised bilingual, because my bonus daughter was not raised bilingual. She is now bilingual, praise God. Um, But in the very beginning, she was in a one language house, just like I was, you know, growing up. So her bilingualism came later as well. But in the beginning, I really had to focus on getting to know her outside of language, so that I could literally speak her language almost in love and patience and understanding and hoping that she would reflect that back to me wasn't always the case, but she did really well. And I also included her in on it. So if there's any, you know, parent out there listening that if you're in this similar situation, it is very unique, but it's not unheard of. Um, Or if you meet someone, especially a child that speaks another language, I say also turning the, the, the student the you know, turning the child into the teacher is a great way Um, to connect. Because when I allowed her to teach me her language, even if it was by pointing to something, or um, I had immigrated with my dog, you know, it's a great (laughs) connection builder right there is animals. So we would go out and walk him and I would ask her little things, use the little words I knew and ask her for clarification. And it was amazing how our connection and her confidence grew by her teaching 
me how to communicate in her, we call it mother, mother tongue, her, her native language. Oh, that's beautiful. I didn't know that about you. And I love that you have shared that because that is actually uh, the very basis of my podcast, The Language of Play, which is you approach the children with curiosity, with exploration, Mm -hmm. with, Mm -hmm. you know, like you are exploring what's going on inside of them. And I love how you say too, that we do that sometimes without words. And that is absolutely beautiful. And yeah, parents, if you have a similar situation going on in your household, contact Cheyenne too as a resource and how she has done that. We'll have those notes, uh, show notes, uh, connection in the show notes. Now, how is it that you chose to raise your littles in a dual language home? There are multiple methods. And I know you're fluent in English, your husband's fluent in Dutch. He must have been bilingual in order for you to develop a relationship with him. So how is it that you chose to raise the little ones bilingually? Yes, yes. Well, you know, my husband and I, we first connected and communicated with body language. We actually met on the dance floor at a mutual friend's wedding (laughs) in the castle, I might add. Um, And that that will go into it another time. But uh, no, yeah, it was a conscious decision because we we have now since become Uh, Since becoming a bilingual household, we have met bilingual parents who decide actually to not raise their children bilingual. So it is a decision. It's definitely not automatic, especially because here in Europe, we have uh, an overlap of not just bilingualism, but trilingualism. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. some families who um, they have a parent who speaks two languages that is not the native language. So here in Belgium, um, there's actually three native languages. It's Dutch. German and French. And the country itself is about the geographic size of Maryland. So we're talking a lot of languages and culture in a small area compared to the United States, which is where I'm from, where Dina Lynn's from. So all that to say, we did make a conscious decision like, okay, we want to raise him bilingually, mostly because it was two factors. We one wanted to keep him connected to his parents' culture, no matter where we lived. So whether right now we're in Belgium, we do have the intention of immigrating to the States as a family in the future. So whether he was here or there, we wanted him to have that connection to the culture through language, through communication. But then the second step uh, was also that he would have the ability to communicate to his family members on both sides of the ocean, as as you said in my introduction, because um, we've heard so many stories. Um, uh, and I used to be a nanny in my past life. Uh, before <laughs> I got married to my husband, I was a nanny in Los Angeles. And I had some families who were dual lingual, bilingual households, and they would share how difficult it was when their children would get on the phone FaceTime with their family members across the world and they couldn't understand them. They couldn't speak. And I didn't want that for my child because I knew that that was how he was going to be speaking with my parents. And it was going to be hard enough to have a relationship through the screen, let alone, I didn't want language to be a factor. So we decided we're going to do this. We, it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, like we kind of, we kind of mm-hmm. had that, like we, we swallowed that pill of acceptance, like, okay, we're not going to be perfect and that's okay. We're going to figure out as we go. But the biggest piece of advice that we got from so many bilingual parents, because there's a plethora of them here, um, which is a huge benefit of living in, you know, Europe, I think, cause there is so much language differentiality here is um, to have one parent, one language. So what that means is to have the parent that's the native speaker speak to your child. Um, So my husband being fluent in Dutch, 
he, in his mother language, um, speaking to our son in Dutch, and then I speaking to him in English. And that hasn't always been easy, but that's the way we went about it from day one. He is now, our son is almost three. We will be raising our, my little one, my little boy in my tummy that way too. Um, and the one caveat I'll add at the end is we started to add a little bit of a third language, but not a spoken language, but sign language. Mm -hmm. And we, I always wanted to do that anyways, as young as I was probably a teenager when I first heard about sign language being taught to babies. And I know a lot of parents love that because it gives younger children the ability to communicate and connect before there's words. But I had read in a book about bilingualism that sign language so many parents fear is that it will confuse the children and that it will overwhelm them even more because, oh my gosh, here's a third language. But this book said that what actually can happen is it helps your child connect the different things. So for instance, if I'm saying banan, that's Dutch for banana. And then I say banana in English and I'm doing the same motion for banana and banan in his little brain, he's connecting, oh, those two mean the same thing. So sign language uh, he still uses to this day, of course, is more <laughs> or thank you, or he'll say please and things. So it's really sweet to see even now that he has words for those things, he still uses the sign language. And I notice the words that he uses the best in both languages are the ones that he also has sign language to connect them to. And that is fantastic. I love that you brought that up because as a speech therapist, that's what it is that we do. We connect the physical object, mm -hmm. the word, a movement, which mm -hmm. is sign of some sort, you know, some movement, because I, research yeah. shows movement enhances memory. And then you're broadening the connections in their brain to be able to help them understand that this spoken word and that spoken word are the same thing through this motion, as well as I'm sure mm -hmm. at that point you would show the physical banana. <laughs> You know, yes. to, to combine them all together and that connection of the dots is great, great language learning. And any of you parents, if you um, have more interest in sign or in dual language learning, I will put the episodes that I've already done on these topics in my show notes. And I totally agree with everything you've said, Cheyenne. That is such a good backstory to help parents understand that this is powerful. It's very powerful mm -hmm. to use mm -hmm. movement to use more than one word. And it is one of the ways too, that we can teach how words have more than one meaning, which is really tricky in English, how we have multiple meanings for many, many, many words. Let's move on. I want to hear some of the pitfalls you've experienced along the way. I want to hear some <laughs> funny stories of like what happened with communication and, you know, like we all have these great moments, but like you said, you started by saying, well, we decided to do the messy. And it's so often to judge ourselves or it's so easy to judge ourselves when we have the messy happen. But I, knowing your personality, I bet you laughed your way through a lot of communication fails because they're going to happen. And then you find your way through. Tell us some of the things that you've done and how you've repaired them. Oh my goodness, a hundred percent, right? We we learn, we can make that choice to learn from our mistakes. And when I look back on some of these things, I'm like, gosh, I don't even think I'd label it as a mistake because it was meant to happen, you know? And one sure. of the first things, as soon as you asked me this question, I actually uh, go back immediately to my husband. 
um, because when we first started dating, uh, yes, he is very fluent in English, but he's still so much of language we learn as we grow up, you know, and then become adults is also the the lingo of the land where you're at, right? And the the different um, even filler words and things that we say. And um, there was one time when we were we dated for four months through FaceTime, talked for hours. I'll never forget one of our first phone dates. My husband uh, called me and he said, hey, ba- uh, well, he was my boyfriend at the time. And he was like, hey, baby, uh, did you just uh, call me f- uh, for a booty call? And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> He's like, yeah, like, did your, did your, 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 uh, your butt call me? I said, oh, <laughs> I said, wait a second. I mean, you, you mean a butt dial? a butt dial. And he goes, yeah, like you sat on your phone. And because he was like, it was an abnormal time that I usually wouldn't call him. It was the middle of the night, his time. But I was like, hey, baby, you know, like booty call is when like, you know, someone wants to, I think, like hook up with each other, like sexually, like, hey, want to come over and, you know, and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like your butt call. I'm like, yeah, in the US, we call that a butt dial, not a booty call. I know they're kind of, they sound the same. So I couldn't help, I hope anyone listening like can find the joy and the laughter there because even as adults, right? Mm -hmm. Even as adults, we make these mistakes and we joke. My, that is so funny. That is so funny. I love that you share that. I want to say my grandson was at my house and I asked him if he wanted some toast. And this is a similar thing uh, to what you're saying. And he bends over and he grabs his toes and he says, <laughs> you know, our communication fails are truly like learning lessons. They are not like you say, they're not necessarily fails. They're learning what it is that your child doesn't know or what your boyfriend didn't know and now husband doesn't know. And I'm sure that in English you're saying things to him that he's like, oh dear. <laughs> you know, that's not how we say it in Dutch. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes in certain languages, you realize like sounds and pronunciations mean more than the other language. And I find that a lot in our language that um, American is known kind of as a lazy English, especially being here when I, they in school, they would learn a more proper English, more of a British style English. So I, I feel like we're just a little more relaxed with our pronunciation. And then here, they're very specific. So you do say something a little off and it sounds completely different. One, one circumstance I thought about was, um, so we're, you know, my, my son is almost three. So we're, we're learning about the potty and we're working on potty training. And in Dutch, the word for your butt is poop. Well, in English, I think we know that poop is more of what comes out of the butt. So you can imagine (laughs) for our son, trying to explain like poop you know in dutch you say like or uh, is there poop on your pupuka and i and you could tell my son was getting confused because i was using the word poop for like the substance that comes out my husband was talking more of where it comes out so sometimes we do we're like oh my gosh this poor kid has no idea what we're actually meaning or saying um, and you really try to break it down. And sometimes there are those awkward language overlaps. So I think for us, you know, what we 
what we really needed to do was find something that could be different enough so our son didn't get confused. So we were like, well, what's another word for poop, like the actual substance? And and we both kind of said, well, caca, right? Like we could, that's enough different poop, caca, that's enough different so that we could really help him communicate because this is such, and I, I know any of you that are potty training, they say that potty training in general is also like a social skill. It is something not just physical. It is something verbal too, coming out of them quite literally. So um, <laughs> that's been one challenge we have experienced. And um, another one, if I can keep going on, or did you want to comment anything about that? Yes, I did. I was interested because yeah. you made such a different kaka as a very different sound, which makes total sense to me why you do that. Did you make up a word for him yeah. to be able to use? Or did you, is that a Dutch word? It's a Dutch <laughs> word. It's how they would say, kind of like a poop, poopy, like a yeah. diminutive, um, like yeah. pee pee, poo poo, like that's oh, sure. their version of it. We searched though, it was, in the beginning, it was a little, it was funny. Sometimes language, it's not so obvious. You really have right. to search and, and think and imagine what could it mean? What may he be hearing from somewhere else? Because he's also started preschool as well. So it's like you're trying to keep up with these other influences as well. Mm -hmm. It really, mm. you know, like even when you are in a mono language, language mm -hmm. home, this same thing happens. And we have words that sound like other words. We have emphasis on one part of the word and it changes a meaning such as produce and produce or, or words that rhyme and alliterate and all those other similarities in our words and our children can get confused they they almost hear but they don't hear but when we are raising our children with only one language we assume more that they know and i think the awareness that you have in a dual language home of the simple mix-ups allows you to yeah. step back into that wonder to step back into that thought process of, hmm, how can I communicate this? Let's explore this topic. Yeah. Let's, let's play with the language so that we get language that works better during that time of, of growth and understanding. And of course, as they grow, they're going to get more and more knowledge. So I love that. A hundred percent. And I want everybody 100%. to do that even when they're in a monolingual home. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause it's, it's, it's so true what you said, Dina Lynn, cause it's so easy when we, when we have challenges, which I think anyone raising their children with one or, or more languages um, see, can experience these challenges, but it's so easy to focus on the challenge instead of the blessing that's there. Because I so agree as a parent, I feel not just being in a different culture than my own without my, my village, without my family here, but just the very fact of having two languages it's caused me to be a more reflective parent, a more patient parent than I think I would have ever been had I had one language. You're right. There's so many daily discussions that we have. Um, and for instance, there's, again, it started as a frustration and challenge, but is now I think a beautiful season and opportunity for growth is uh, my son had just started preschool this year. They start pretty early here in Belgium. He started at two and a half. So that's when a lot of kids are really just starting to use, you know, words and putting them together. And when he went to preschool, all the other kids were Dutch speaking and he is getting there, but he also has that influx of English there. So the first couple months, and even to this day, you know, we just had a parent teacher conference with his teacher the other day and he's gotten a lot better. But in the beginning, it was a really big challenge for him to just 
communicate and whether that was communicate his needs or his desires or with with his um his teacher or his friends and you know and it's funny because as it's gotten better you know uh, some of the teachers it's funny when I'm at school picking him up there's teachers that like help him on the playground or teachers that see him when they're outside you know going to lunch or something and they'll hear me pick him up and they'll be like oh you speak English oh he speaks English oh that makes so much sense here they were thinking (laughs) he was just being a naughty boy or maybe he was even a little slow like developmentally slow Mm -hmm. delayed and we've um we've had that we've had some people say um some not so nice things even like uh yeah your your son looks at me like he's stupid or like something but they don't this is before they realize like he may, he may just not understand you or, or he's not understanding the way that you're putting things together. So with his teacher, we recently just came up with a plan. And this is something I would encourage all bilingual families to do, especially when you start to think about the extended family or, or community around your child, as your child gets bigger and starts to participate more in life outside your home is coming up with a plan with the people that are in their lives, you know, very frequently and often like my son's teacher, she was saying that he's having a hard time. Um, he's being very, um, defiant with her recently. And when everyone else will be sitting, he won't sit or or he's also a very physical child. He's very rough in his love. He loves big hugs. He loves to wrestle. But that also can manifest in other ways where he's a big, he's also big. So if he sees a kid in his class, he wants a toy they're playing with. One, he doesn't really have the language. And I think he's also kind of thinking, well, why use it if I can just take it? So my um, the teacher... <laughs> That I was like, I kind of understand where he's at maybe mentally here, but I do, you know, as a mom, I do wonder, it could just be that he's kind of a little stuck. He's a little in this in-between stage. He's still very young. He's still learning to, a lot of kids that, you know, you can tell in his age group are still learning to use one language and able to express themselves, let alone he's kind of stuck between these two a little bit. And so we came up with a plan with his teacher she wanted to know, like, what do you guys do at school at home when he um, throws something or when he's, you know, doing something you've asked him not to? What words do you use and what words can we find that could be used very similarly or are even the same in both languages? And for instance, like stop is the same in uh, in English and in Dutch and um, in Dutch. We're trying to explain what a, uh, an owie is like what pain, what, what pain is hurt when you hurt someone or something is hurtful. And so in Dutch, that's pain. So we've said that mommy is going to adopt more of the Dutch for right now in that way, because it's something very important. And so that's something that I also was going to share is I think that what's important when there is a confusion or there is a disconnect there for us, it's really helped instead of really trying to force him, no, you have to know the difference right now between English and Dutch. We felt like what's more important is that he learns about what he's doing is hurting someone not intentionally. And how can he know that this means no, like instead of trying to focus more on the language, we were more focused in certain areas on the understanding. So there have been times where my husband and I have adapted to each other's language um, to help our son along with where he's at right now. Sure, that makes total sense. So your, your method that you chose is 
to have mom speak english exclusively dad speak dutch exclusively so that your little guys get a good example of each language to give them a solid foundation in each language but real life happens and so when you need to tackle a certain problem a certain situation a certain issue and for this particular example you've given is pain and hurting somebody and how do we communicate that you're jumping the fence into a little bit of dutch in order to help him connect the dots and that's very compassionate and and wonderful of you to do i know that some families will choose that one parent one language like you said and be rigid in it i'm glad you're not being rigid we can't be rigid with our little ones and expect them right. to flourish because there are things that happen. Thank you. Thank you. And I think for me, it's important for understanding to happen instead of like perfection in language. I think for me, it's, I see when he's disconnecting and, and it's really like a misunderstanding of what's being said. So if I can help partner with him in that, if I know he can understand the Dutch better, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over to his side and, and, and it's, it's ebbed and flowed. And yeah. I, I think that's a beautiful lesson too, as parents to see that um, nothing stays the same in life, especially your child. And like, there are going to be seasons like before he started school um, you, you made a reference to how my husband's one language he speaks with our son is Dutch and mine is English, but mine and daddy's language to each other is English. So there's definitely more English in our house and he hears more English. And it's funny though, my stepdaughter, she still doesn't speak English. She understands it. But so um, when she used to go back and forth, there was with her mom, there was a lot less Dutch in our house, but now she lives with us full time. So we've kind of got a lot more Dutch here. And something I found to be very important too, that I, any, any parent that's listening is finding opportunities when I find it's, I, if it has worked for us, when you can connect and partner with the other language, especially if it brings a sense of ease to your child. Oh my goodness. Such good information. Such good content. Thank you, Cheyenne. This is a difficult place to stop, but we couldn't figure out where to stop. We just kept the mic rolling. So I ended up cutting this episode in half. So if you're loving this as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Cheyenne, come back next time and we will be able to listen to the rest of the conversation from her fascinating life. That was Cheyenne Clayman and the Energized Mama podcast. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.